everyone and welcome to the Feminist Lens podcast brought to you by Women for Wanawake. Today's episode is a bit different to our usual in that we are speaking to men. We believe that to realise and achieve full gender equality, we must engage and work with men. We also believe that men can indeed be feminists and that right now, more than ever before, we need more men championing women's rights. We simply cannot leave men out of the conversation if we are to achieve gender equality. On that note, we are glad to have two male guests who are progressive, represent hope and see women as equals. In addition to being forced in their fields and contributing to making society a better place from policy, sustainable living and finding real tangible solutions to issues facing the world today. Our first guest is Adiemi Adiemi. MBE, co-chair for the Black, Asian, Ethnic Minority Staff Network of NHS England and NHS Improvement, and was awarded an MBE for services to global health policy. Addy is also a global health policy expert, who is also a director at the think tank Chatham House, where he supports Ministry of Health stakeholders across Africa by strengthening their leadership and policy development capacities. He is also the managing director of the world's biggest global health jobs platform, www.globalhealthjobs.com. Addy is also the founder and executive director for the African Healthcare Hackathon, www.ahhack.com. Addy is also studying for a doctor of philosophy in global health and social medicine at King's College London. We'll put the website address in the show notes at the end. Our second guest is Callum Milbank, who is a mechanical engineer currently working across the UK to to decarbonize our cities. So thank you so much both for joining us today. We're really, really excited to chat to you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us on. It's a a pleasure. Thank you. So the reason we started this organization and the reason why we started this podcast in the first place was to have um, these quote-unquote perhaps uncomfortable conversations and also just to make them not uncomfortable and to break down barriers and to really just have lots and lots of open, fruitful conversations. So we're hoping that this can be as exciting. So we're going to dive straight in. Um, So question one, firstly, what inspired you both to work in the fields that you currently do? And you're clearly very passionate about making the world a better place from health system strengthening to allow quality healthcare access for all to renewable energy. So obviously Addy in the health system and then also Callum. Um, can you talk us through your journey first and we'll go over to Addy. Yep. Um, I think um, engineering for me was always uh, something I saw um, as, a, as a positive option kind of when I was growing up, something that I wanted to get involved in in terms of problem solving and, and fixing things and breaking things. Um, but going into kind of energy, I think has become a, a, a really poignant thing since we've declared a climate emergency and since there's been kind of mass um, protest around the world about the kind of ecological disasters that we're we're facing. In that respect, I don't see it all as doom and gloom. I actually see renewables as a as a as a huge equalizer for you know virtually everyone around the world. Energy can be turned into pretty much anything anything. Kind of food can be turned into clean water. You can use it to recycle things for materials to then build things, as well as, you know, 
charging your car, your smartphone, or hopefully charging airplanes to fly around one day, that'd be great. Um, so I kind of see energy as, as one of the, the core human requirements that we need to make clean and we need to make accessible to everybody. So that's, that's kind of why I've gone into it in the way that I have. Thanks for that, Callum. That was really, really interesting. I hope we do have charged planes very soon. That would be really fun and a lot better for the planet. Um, Addy, so same question to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I suppose where I am now is a result of um, me finding my own path after being cajoled and pushed by Nigerian parents to go into a medical type career. Um, at, you know, when I was younger, I didn't quite understand it. I knew that going to university was a good thing in, in some respects and that was what they wanted um and I, I found when in it that there were some areas of it that I worked better in than, than not and working with patients was one of them where I wasn't that good so I moved more towards strategy and policy and that's kind of um how I've ended up where I am right now the global health interest has come from the kind of dual identity that I have British and Nigerian, and seeing the state of international development, the way um, the global north and the west interact in development in Africa, uh, seeing that there, that, there, that there could be a difference and underpinning it was really the stories we tell and the theories we have, you know, the sociology, the philosophy about healthcare in Africa is where I then developed more of a passion and interest in, you know, policy and research um, rather than kind of the, the nuts and bolts, the operational side of healthcare. So it's been a journey of wanting to gain more experience so I can be at positions of influence to, to make a difference for people back home and um, over here as well. Thanks for that. Again, very, very inspired and very, very interesting. Um, it's, it's interesting you talk about that dual nationality as well, because I know Paris has spoken about that too. And that fueling a lot of her passion and her work as well. Um, so I'm actually going to move on to the next question now that our listeners know exactly who you are and what you do and your passions. Um, so question two, research shows that when it comes to accessing healthcare and coping with environmental disasters, women are disproportionately impacted and experience greater hardship what are your industries currently doing to respond to this? This is mainly directed towards Addy. And are you aware of COVID's disproportionate impact on women in employment and in care? So I'm talking about women often bearing the brunt of care, um, whether that's in families or, as you know, Addy, in the NHS, um, nurses maybe being paid less who are paid less than doctors and in on many cases less than administration staff too. Um, so what are your opinions about this from the UK perspective, but also on a global scale? Yeah, so first from the UK perspective, and um, sorry to be pedantic, but just, you know, uh, disclosure, I'm obviously talking in a personal capacity, not in an official NHS spokesperson capacity, but the NHS is publishing, um, you know, its gender pay gap um, information. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a pragmatist in, when it comes to some of these you know societal challenging conversations and and i think that the first step is that we actually have the data we have information that we can hold um you know a bit of lens and and feet to the fire on these issues 
you know, the first step is knowing and, and confirming that this is a problem. So you've got no more wiggle room to go to and say, look, this is the data year on year. We need to see it change. So uh, the NHS is making good, good ground on that. Um, the disproportionate impact on women in employment and care for, for COVID and working from home, um, I've definitely felt, and like most inequalities, health inequalities that COVID is highlighting, it's not necessarily displaying anything new. It's just hyper-accelerating and showing things that have existed before and just making it more visceral and, 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 and obvious. And some of those inequalities in, you know, women in, in care and the burden of family responsibilities. Um, and, and you could probably educate me on this in terms of where it comes from. I know at least, again, speaking from my own individual experience, um, it's probably related to the kind of Judeo-Christian West African mentality of uh, the man is the head of the house, get, you know, hunter-gatherer type thing. Um, and women are in the kitchen and with, 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 with child um, and, and, and so some of those family dynamics, I think people, and it's, it's the wrong word to use, but you know, naturally think those are the, those are the stereotypes and those are the roles to play. Um, and without general critique or, or general understanding about actually there is a, a, an equality split in terms of labor, of domestic labor that can happen, people sometimes fall into those roles without really understanding. And those roles are obviously perpetuated by narratives we see in the media um but yeah healthcare isn't immune to that and uh we see it not only in, in pay and and the opportunities that women can be open to um but also the roles that they occupy in research in policy making uh, etc because often the burden of domestic responsibility unfortunately falls to them yeah I, I can also add to that not from a from more of an anecdotal um place in, in terms of the kind of uh, gender parity in my engineering company for instance um, we have struggled for years to bring more women in in as engineers project managers at senior levels um, and you know still have abysmally low rates and that would undoubtedly be reflected in right now's kind of how people are feeling due to the coronavirus pandemic because we've actually had relative ease in, in, and resilience in moving the workforce, you know, from the office to working from home. And it would be much, much better for everyone if there was gender parity in there as well. Um, and, and unfortunately, there isn't, um, which implies that somewhere some people are suffering and it implies in this case that it's women. Um, I can also say on the environmental disasters, um, uh, how, how we're... Um, approaching uh, decarbonization with a view for ecological disaster. Um, the simple answer is that at the moment, nobody is. Everybody's struggling to decarbonize domestically without thinking about the general holistics of, of world ecology. Um, and that's because one, everybody's scrambling to sort out their own backyard first. And two, because it's, it's very difficult to draw um, accurate scientific lines between for instance unfortunately a dam burst in india uh, there was a i think that was last week um and excuse me and um it's very difficult to draw direct lines to that with the largest emitters we know there is an absolute link but we don't know specifically what ton of carbon from which output factory caused you know you know broke that 
the 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 hay on the on, on the the straw on the the camel's back, so to speak. Um, so in because of that lack of transparency or lack of evidence, it's it's difficult to um, start to directly uh, and economically um, be responsible for um, what's going around with respect to environmental disasters. I think that that will need to change though um, in the coming years as we see more and more environmental disaster occurring. So yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because the UN has quite a large part to play in that in the sense of so gender impact assessments of any kind of renewable energy that obviously you are now kind of leading on in your company of your team. Um, obviously, we know BP Shell are turning to renewable energy. The gender impact assessment has to be done as the same as environmental impact assessment of infrastructure. And I think what's interesting is the government, despite, I mean, no matter whether you're conservative, Labour, Green, cross-party, non-partisan, doesn't matter. Um, it seems like there is a unity right now in Parliament, which is a positive, um, about um, these gendered impact assessments from a UK perspective too. So I'm hoping um, that the UN really does push push for gender equality at the forefront of their sustainable development goals their SDGs right now it's it's number five but I personally think it should be number one because I think without gender equality we will not be able to solve any of the crises to the right in the right way or actually solve them um so yeah it's interesting you mentioned natural disasters as well it's all very very relative um Yes, this is a more more of a personal question. Um, so growing up, Addy, I'm going to come to you first. What women have inspired you and how has this shaped the way you look at gender equality? This could be your mother, your sister, your auntie, your partner, a teacher. Has there been any women that have inspired you in your life um, to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Loads. Um... The clearest example will be my mother. Um, I, I can't go on enough about her. We'll, we'll be here all day if, if, if I did. So, um, yeah, just amazing woman. Um, and then kind of in the career work life, I've, I've definitely had lots of those. And, and interestingly, when I reflect on this question, and I think those have given me opportunities, you know, shadowing. Um, I remember actually... Um, I did a kind of internship at the City Hall in London, the London Mayor of, uh, London, uh, Mayor of London's office. And the person who got me in there, it was all a bit, you know, I'm, I'm not going to incriminate myself. But anyway, it was a woman, uh, very supportive. Um, and in my NHS career as well, uh, a woman who's uh, unfortunately passed on, Jackie Linton, was one of the people as well that, and she was a, a black woman, sat me down and really broke down kind of career progression to me and gave me things that my parents as um, immigrants from Nigeria didn't understand about how to progress in this country and the unwritten laws about promotion and getting ahead and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, and, and no other woman or person went out of their way to kind of give me some of the low down on things. Um, yeah, I, I could go on, but lots of inspiration. The board and throughout my career. And what qualities do you think some of these women that inspired you had in common? Was there anything in common, or do you see just a, a woman as I'm just delving a little bit deeper before I go back to Callum? Do you see um 
like having a female boss, for example, because I've mainly only ever had women bosses. And do you think there's a difference as someone who's had been quite experienced? Could you compare like a female boss to a male boss? Do you think there are differences or are those gender stereotypes that I'm digging into now? No, uh, I I think there are differences. Um, I have definitely felt more... um, emotional awareness and intelligence from the from the female bosses I've been exposed to um and I felt more of an opportunity to um bring my whole self to work rather than a work persona I can bring other dimensions of what I'm doing and and that's actually supported me in my portfolio career as you know if I reflect back I think if I just had male bosses I would have had to have conversations that were quite focused at work rather than the holistic different interests I had, but but the women bosses and leaders that I've been in contact with have have really gone out of their way to think more. And for example, even one of my current uh, female bosses, um, you know, you know, encouraged me to bring my daughter into work with 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 my wife, and wanted you know it just 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 really thought about me and the whole person. Um, I think one of the other interesting things just to just to finish up on. Is and, and, I, and I mention this a lot because it really does have an impact on me, but my bringing in a Nigerian kind of West African household, um, there is something that was challenging I had to go through in my early career, which was being comfortable with the idea of having a woman as a boss, because I suppose the kind of culture I grew up in, um, for example, at my um, Ibo wedding, with my wife is mostly from the Ibo tribe in Nigeria, um, no woman was allowed to hold a microphone and speak because it's a very man, male, you know, dominated culture. Um, and you have that across many parts of Nigeria. So, you know, growing up in a house that wasn't too far away from that, but was a little bit progressive. Um, and then coming to a workplace, I knew I had to go through some hacking in my mind to, to, to realise that that was, you know, an outdated concept that I had to put to bed. Thank you so much, Adi. Um, it's interesting you say that. because some of the most powerful and inspiring women I've met have been African women. And it's, it's similar in, um, I was once working with a, um, a Pakistani activist woman, and she was talking about for so long, it's always been the woman at the head of the household more so than in Western culture. But yet when it came to the kind of formalistic roles, then that was then for men, but in terms of family, um, I don't know if that's similar. So in Nigerian culture, is it is it the man who's at the head of the family? But generally, women seem very kind of confident and and strong. Yeah. So 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 kind of yeah, domestic labor, domestic activities. Uh, you know, the kind of domain of the women, and then uh, the man is supposed to be the the, the uh, uh, you know the hunter gatherer. Um, and and I realized very early on, particularly that when I you know looked at the kind of women I was dating they were on salaries that were equivalent to mine or higher than mine, that I couldn't go into that kind of concept or way of thinking of, you know, it was more, and, and, then, and then even just being exposed to like British culture of a little bit more progressive and equality than Nigerian uh, in, in, in some respects, but, but, but yeah, that's very um, common concepts that, you know, women, domestic uh, heads, but, but in professions and outside of that, um, you get more challenging stereotypes and situations. Thank you, Adi. There's so much to learn. There's lots of, um, as, as a feminist myself, and I know Paris would say probably something different or different because as she is, she also has that dual nationality aspect that, I, that we've spoken about before. Um, 
being from Kenya, but we often, when we do have these conversations, we're sensitive to to what someone's kind of definition of equality is. It can differ, and and the route to that equality can be different too. And there's no right or wrong way if you believe that men and men and women are equal, essentially. Uh, but it's really important to have respect for um, different cultures and the route to that equality. So thank you so much for your answer. Um, Callum, over to you, the same question. Um, what women in your life have inspired you and how has this shaped the way you look at gender equality? Um, this could be your mother, sister, et cetera. Yeah, well, I, I would definitely echo Adi. I think, I think to be honest, I think my mum has played a, a, a really influential role in my life growing up um, for a number of reasons. The main being that she was the only parent that I had. Um, so my, my dad wasn't around from a very, very young age. Um, and my mom just got on with it. She went over, she took me over um, as a young baby to the US. Uh, we moved to New York. Um, uh, that's actually her texting and calling now. So that's, that's, that was the interruption. Um, she got a job uh, with Goldman Sachs um, on Wall Street in, in an era, she's half Jamaican, in an era where there were very few women on Wall Street, very few black women on, on Wall Street. Um, and, you know, she you know, really carved a good life for us um, out there. And I just saw an example of just a very, very strong parent, not, not, you know, maybe there were times growing up where I could see a little bit of, um, you know, in, reflected in, in other families where there was a, a, a mother-father divide in terms of maybe disciplined or something like that. But, um, you know, for me, she really showed me the example that it is just the, the strength of your will of character that is, it is um, the overarching thing. And so I, I took that um, with me, you know, as I as I grew up and left home and did ran around and did other things. And then the other the other person growing up, I think, who's really inspired me, um, yeah, the woman who's inspired me is my sister. There's a big age gap between us, eleven years, um, but she has at every turn uh, just blown me away with her with her humanity and her wisdom. Um, she uh, lives with quite a, quite a chronic illness. Um, she has a lot of seizures a lot of the time. Um, and that kind of means that her plans in life, she's had to be very, very zen, very calm, and very wise about her outlook. And she has really turned her what was perceived as a disability and a weakness into, you know, an absolute strength. Her, um, yeah, her wisdom is a, is, is a huge, huge thing that I wish I had at, at 16, 17 years old. She, she's really driven, again, similar to my mom in that really stubbornly driven, um, but in just incredibly wise in the way she applies herself. So I always think about and, and, look to them to to kind of remind myself oh this is this is this is the way I, why I'm like the way I am because I've had these really strong examples of of you know wonderful human beings um who are women so you know that's 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 what I would say thank you that was a lovely answer too both very beautiful beautiful answers it's very very inspiring to hear um men who are so inspired by the women in their lives this is 
very inspiring. I've said that word a million times now. Um, so we're going to move on to the next question. And this is kind of, this is essentially the center of this, this whole interview with you both. Um, so Paris and I really wanted to get to the bottom of what is the role of men in feminism, essentially? Is there a role? Um, and um, the question in itself is, how do you define feminism? And do you identify as a feminist? And the second part of the question is, what role do you think men should play in feminism? So I'm going to go over to Addy. This is a question for you. And I'll just let you know that um, Paris and I define, or feminism is defined as um, the equality between men and women, but you may have a different definition of yourself and how you define yourself. So over to you. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. This is, this is a really interesting question. Um, and I remember very early on in kind of my, my, my formal degree education, um, I came across feminism and sociology textbooks and I went into it a little bit. Um, to be honest, I, I did get confused because I think there was, you know, third wave, second wave feminism and maybe that's a bit too theoretically advanced for, but yeah, that, that, that was confusing. And the other thing that, that, that's, that, that's confusing me, particularly in, in, in the light of the kind of BLM movement is, you know, as a, as a black man, and and obviously we're like we're going to speak in loads of generalities here so whatever we'll just try and roll with it um i think you know black men and men of ethnic minorities have struggled with the concept of male privilege for historic and like political reasons right because having power and privilege from one group of society to another just yeah we've had challenges in that way so sometimes when i think about gender equality and black male privilege and feminism it's it, it's challenging because when we haven't felt like we've had a privilege we're now being asked to give that up and join another struggle which you know well oh, we didn't realize we had this power and actually there is differences of black women and black men um so it's it, it, it it's, it's all a bit confusing sometimes but again maybe i'm just being too um theoretical and kind of uh going down some rabbit holes about it. Broadly though, on your definition of feminism, I identify with that because I think all genders or people of sexual orientations or races should be equal. If, if you know, there is oppression or if there is inequality in one part of society, then everyone's, you know, injustice everywhere type thing. So I definitely believe that. Um, what role do you think men should play in that? I think there are different roles because as I said, I think Black men have a different role towards white men or, or men of, of white appearance. Um, so it, 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 it's a fascinating thing that I think we can unpack. Sorry, Addy, we lost you a bit at the end there. Do you want to finish that sentence off? Uh, yeah, no, so I was just saying that um, it, there's, it's, it's, it's a fascinating um, conversation. Uh, broadly, according to your definition of feminism, I think that... Um, there is a role that men should play. Uh, but, you know, I think there is a distinction and a nuance maybe to introduce about uh, the role that black men should play over men of white appearance or men who are white. Um, because you're asking, yeah, black men to give up a privilege that they didn't know that they had or that they're not quite sure if they still have. Um, but broadly, according to your definition of feminism, yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating conversation to have. 
Thank you, Adi. That's really, really interesting. Um, so you've basically brought in a term um, that I haven't used yet. We haven't used yet, but we really we try and use it as much as we can. And that's intersectionality. So it was actually a legal scholar called Kimberly Crenshaw who coined this term intersectionality in 1989, an essay um, that we'll put in the show notes for anyone interested. And that is basically to think of the intersectional experience is greater than the sum of racism and sexism. So basically she kind of thought that you can't really be a feminist unless you include someone's race, their, their how they identify if they're non-binary, if they're LGBTQI+, et cetera. You've really got to understand everyone's different identification. And if you have a protected characteristic, your route to and privilege will be different to the next person. So myself as a white woman, I'm very aware being born white in this white supremacist world currently is a massive privilege compared to someone the same age as me, maybe who is has a name that is, I don't know, not as British sounding as mine. And then that will mean when we apply for the same job, I've got an advantage over her. And it's insane that we still live in a world that still has name discrimination as well as racial discrimination. So it's it's all those different kind of multifaceted angles of looking at feminism, um, which is why it's very important to di dissect it like that, like you have with your personal experiences. Yeah. and Carry on. Yeah, sorry, and, and, and do you mind, because I, I really want to be educated here, because uh, I, I, I get the sense with the with Crimberly Crenshaw's intervention about intersectionality, I, I wonder then, like, so it, it, in a corporate sense, whether cultural appropriation has happened on this term, because as you said, she introduced it to talk about the intersectionality of race with gender and black women in particular. But now I, I you know, um, in my in some of my organizations i hear them talking about intersectionality without race at all so it's like the intersectionality of, of lgbt of sexual identity with um disabilities so they, they they're kind of taking its framework approach but not applying it in the racial lens that kimberly crenshaw did but in another lens and then and, and so that's why sometimes i i'll say the politically correct things when i'm asked to but but deep down i'm, I'm struggling because I, I don't know so it was, it was, when we talk about like, and this isn't, this is, again, I, I'm not a, a scholar in this, but I do know that in terms of the first wave, second wave, third wave, I can't remember which wave it was, but during the civil rights movement, it was actually, it was black women that organized um, and it was black women that really brought feminism to the fore about what it is today. So white women and all women across the world have black women to thank for that. And that was when they wanted the same, um, they wanted to speak on the same platform as their male counterparts, but their male counterparts didn't give them the same platform when they were fighting for the civil rights in, a, in the US. Um, and so that was a way of kind of really bringing feminism to the fore. Um, and then in terms of what you said about the corporatization potentially of intersectionality, I think that really is a problem. I think businesses do tend to just adopt words that really do have like legal standing and its history and forget about its history. And race is at its core. Intersectionality, race is at the core, culture and what comes with culture and race and how you identify your sexuality. That's all at its core and disability. Um, so I think it is really, really important to consider. And you, I, again, am of the belief that you cannot be a feminist without, under, <laughs> without fighting for all women 
and also understanding the fact that for so long black men have been persecuted and discriminated against but understand that struggle as well but equally um again I'm not going to explain to you or as a black man how you should feel about feminism but I think talking to your friends and see how they feel as well and then talking to the women in your life you would learn more than speaking to me um so I think that's really really important is just talking to the women in your life about feminism as well and then sharing what you learn and just continuing the conversation as I suppose the way to go forward and I also think that in terms of um protest and women's rights generally there is often so if we think about race the Black Lives Matter movement is incredible because I know in London if you looked around at the crowd there were loads of white people there and loads of people from all different races there but when you go to a women's rights protest there are barely any men and this is this is the problem there are black women there are brown women there are like BAME there are lots of different types of women there but there are not many men so I think this is also why we wanted to have this conversation is that we really need as many men passionate about gender equality as about race too because 50% of the world is women and 51% I think I think it's changed slightly but it's 50-50 you know um I just think it's very interesting but I think this is a continuing conversation and Callum can I come over to you and also try and get you get some thoughts about this this is basically just your thoughts about what Adam yeah, said and what I've just said. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 I absolutely agree um, on the point specifically on intersectionality and specific on, on the specifics of this. I think it's, it's um, very easy to get, um, it's very easy, quite frankly, to get confused with a term such as feminism. And especially if, if there's co-opting going on at corporate levels with other terms and, and, you know, there's, there's spin here and there, um, you know, trying to make it work for your own, for your own ends. But I think for me, the, the most important thing is, is actually being really specific and accurate about this, because there is, at the end of the day, 8 billion lived experiences. And until you're kind of really drilling down into the experiences of each individual, or at least trying your hardest to understand them and bring them on board to what a potential feminist solution might look like or what a potential anti-racist solution might look like. You're, you're never, it's impossible. You're never going to get to, to that end goal of, of, of creating something that really works for everybody. And that is what I think we all deserve. That, and that's what I think our children deserve and our grandchildren deserve um, is, is that real equality and, um, you know, re real chance to be, expressing and living this life and taking in and outputting all of these wonderful things on an entirely level playing field and that's something i truly think we we all deserve um and so that i so i would i would also you know broadly agree with um the the definition of feminism being equality between men and women but i would caveat that with a recognition that that is entirely different um an entirely different experience um, living in the West, living in the East, living in the global North, living in the global South, living um, culturally through lots of different lenses, even in one place such as London, you know, you can have, you know, how many people do we have in London? Six million or it's, it's maybe a bit more. Um, 
it, all of those different walks of life will bring completely different and specific um, and valid, also valid experiences that we need to take into account when we're we're trying to um, unpack what we do next and who has such and such something like male privilege, who has this and who has that, because this we're very keen this day and age to categorize, but on one hand, you know, we've got all these algorithms working around categorizing everybody and helping us, you know, figure out wonderful things. And on the other hand, you know, there's deep understanding that I think you need to have. If you're going to fully put somebody into a box and say, I understand everything about that box, the size, the shape, the nature of it, and everybody who's within it. I think that that's uh, an extremely important thing that really shouldn't be done to people in my opinion it should be um done you know with and by you know if i want to say i am a feminist i should be able to say i am a feminist rather than you know other people saying you know you're not a feminist you're not sex and why and and i think that that these are things that are also tricky to conversations that are tricky to have in 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 this day and age as well you know we're super connected and you know things are 240 characters and 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 debate and discussion, you know, is, is, it's, it's not a skill we're taught at school in, well, maybe in private schools, but it's not as, it's not something and, and, and that we're kind of really held up to, to, to listen to each other's um, life stories and our, and our pasts and our futures and our hopes and, and our, and our complaints to listen and then to really think, okay, what, how does that affect what I'm about to say? Um, and so I think, yeah, I I think that that maybe brings me on to the role that I think men should play in feminism is is exactly that, you know, really being open to understanding that the man or woman and or the human being in front of them talking about their life experiences or talking about the issues that they're having in their day to day or talking about anything should really be really openly listened to and not listened to with a view to go into a category or to have some kind of plan of action, but to have that, have that experience change you and change what you're going to do. Because I honestly think that there are so many different <laughs> walks of life that you can really learn from every single person you talk to. And if you learn and you actually translate that to your output, it's going to be slightly better if you, come with your pre preconce preconceived kind of notions and you listen a half bit not so much and then you do what you were going to do anyway so I think that that's one that's one big thing that I, I, I one big positive role that I think men can play is, so is that... to not kind of jump ahead and think mm -hmm. I know where this woman is coming from I know mm -hmm. this woman's experience I know mm -hmm. what they're going to say and I, I know where they need to go it's to <laughs> actually really listen mm -hmm. Hello everyone, Paris here. So just finished listening to the first half of this episode. Unfortunately, I was unable to make it due to some personal matters that I had to tend to. So Nina took the reins and facilitated the podcast on her own. Um, that's what we call teamwork. Um, so 
I'm like, wow, after listening to it. Um, I'm also gutted because Ade is a very dear friend and mentor of mine. And Callum is a very good friend and a big supporter of Women for Anawake. So in the first half, as you just listened to, um, we talked about their career journeys, their biggest female inspirations, and most importantly, what role men can play in fem- feminism. And for me, and I know Nina feels the same, um, it, it just really shows why it's important for us to engage men in this conversation. Um, they, they both have such progressive and positive ideas um, and also really share their personal matters, like the personal testimonies and what they currently do to facilitate gender equality in their life. And um, I thought it was really interesting, um, the perception of some of the barriers as to why some men don't engage in, um, you know, the the gender equality narrative, um, particularly black men, because they're also dealing with their own equality of being black and racism. And so how that can deter people from engaging in other discussions of, you know, equality and emancipating other marginalised groups. Um, And what that really, again, speaks to is what we say at Women for Anawake is that um, no one's equal until we're all equal. So I think it's really important for us never to forget that. And also, this, you know, the striking point and connection about policy and the environment and the disproportionate effect that that has on women, so whether it's housing, whether it's healthcare, whether it's employment, whether it's even buying food. Um, so for me, it was a real eye opener and um, just shows that, you know, this is a conversation that we need to keep having and with men like Adi and Callum and hopefully more to join. So uh, we're just about to head to the next part. So I'll see you in a minute.